Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois out what we call lovingly the corn patch, and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service. And we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't 
already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. We talked about love. And I, I, by no means, as I told you then, and we'll tell you again tonight, did we exhaust that subject. We will, we will come back and do some things later on specifically about love. But I, I think that we did enough last week uh, to let you uh, know and to, and to understand that love is something that, that we are commanded, that it's a commandment that you love one another. It's a commandment that you love one another, and that is something you have to work at because there are just some people, and I can tell you from my own experiences, and I'm sure you've had your own, that it's hard to love. There's some people that, I mean, just won't even let you love them. And, I mean, there's some people just going to, and I, I, I'll never forget the time that this, this, this sister came, and she and her husband were having some marital problems, and she came to counsel, and, and she and him both did. And they sat down, and, and, and he said to me, he said, you can't even love the woman. He said, she's just downright ugly. And he didn't mean in her appearance, the way she acted. And I thought that was the funniest thing, because I'd been a long time since I'd, uh, my, my grandma used to say, quit acting so ugly when I was, you know, a kid. But he said his wife was just acted downright ugly, he said. Well, we're going to try tonight to, to look at this thing called joy. If you found five, uh, uh, 522 of, uh, Galatians, let's again, as we will probably use this, I'm sure we have so far, and I don't see any reason to change this throughout this series that we're doing on the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, uh, gentleness, I'm sorry, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And uh, that's the fruit. Uh, we're studying to see what it's all about tonight. We're going to look at joy, which is a second in this group. Joy characterizes a Christian. And if, if you're taking notes, I would strongly uh, uh, tell you that you, you, you need to put that down. Joy does characterize you as a Christian. Uh, again, we, we just see so many people that are, that, that, that are Christians that, that they just don't have any joy. They just don't have any joy. I mean, dear God in heaven, if they got run over by Mack truck, there'd be more joy than what they have, you know, most of the time. And, and, and folks, it's important. It's important, and I hope tonight we can show you some of the whys it's important. Let's go right off to Psalms 43. And uh, I'm going to get there first. Psalms 43. And in the fourth verse. Then will I go, now this is Psalms 43, 4. It says, Then will I go unto the altar of God, Unto God my exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Uh, now, he's saying, I will go unto the altar of God, and, and to God my exceeding joy. Now, exceeding joy is a whole bunch more than just joy. To have exceeding joy 
bypasses just having joy. So we got to understand that God is our joy, and if we can get over that right off, I think it's going to help. Now, most of us, I think, in this room um, understands, and we'll get to some, hopefully we'll use that scripture tonight before we finish, that we have known for years, most of us, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is our strength. In fact, uh, it is known, uh, and we've got some nurses in here, so I'm sure they can testify maybe to this, but it's a proven fact now in the medical world that people that are happy, people that are joyous, people that are always uh, uh, pleasant are the people that are less sick. They're the people that are less sick. And and there's a lot to say about that. Uh, there, there's a, a whole lot to say about that. Joy is so important that we have to understand that if the joy of the Lord is our strength, if in fact you have no joy, you could understand it to say, which would be correct, if you have no joy, you have no strength. If you have no strength, you have no joy. In other words, no joy, no strength. And I'm going to tell you something. Without strength, you and I as Christians would be in a heap of trouble, wouldn't we? We need the strength. We need the strength. We need the, the power of the Holy Ghost working through the name of Jesus Christ every day in our lives, in our walk with Jesus. In order for that to work, again, you're going to probably hear me say an awful lot about spiritual laws. There is a spiritual law that says if you have no joy, then the power of God through the infilment of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ is a void. It's void. No joy, no strength. No joy, no power. And when you have no strength, you have no power, then you are an open sepulcher, if you will, unto all the garbage that the devil wants to bring your way. And if you're not careful, what happens to you is that the fact that you get so far down that you get to the place that you fall right into the devil's hands. Now, 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 we're told to neither give place to the devil. And when you don't have joy, you've given place. Now, we will do a, a, an extensive study uh, into the spirit world and into the things of the demonic forces. But I'm going to tell you that the devil does not read your mind, and the devil does not, does not, and I'm, I'm sorry, is not omnipresent everywhere at once. That's what that means. Now, what the devil does do is whenever he or any of his cohorts, any of the demonic powers of darkness, are around you, any familiar spirits that would be around you, what they do is they can hear what you're saying and they can see what you're doing. Okay? Now, uh, now some of you are looking at me a little funny and saying, well, now, now wait a minute now. I was taught that the devil can read your mind. No, I'm sorry. If the devil could have, could have read mine, why in the world would he have had to kept trying to find out whether Jesus be the Son of God or not? Why couldn't he? Remember what he had him up on the mountain? Remember what he said? If thou be the Son of God, jump off of here. Isn't it written that the Lord God will, you know, uh, uh, paraphrase this obviously, but you won't even dash your foot against a stone and the angels of God will lift you up. Well, he didn't have to. Have, if, he, if he could read minds, he could read Christ's mind. Why? Because he came in the flesh. His mind was just like my mind, just like your mind, just like anybody's mind. But he couldn't. 
he could not and does not read your mind. Now, what you're probably uh, having a problem with, and you've some of I've had people come to me and say, well, if he can, it sure seemed like he could. Well, when we get into this thing on familiar spirits, you'll understand much, much more about this. Familiar spirits is just that. They are familiar to you. And they know what it is, my brother or my sister, that turns your crank. They know what button to push to get you mad. They know what button to push to get you excited. They know what button to push to let your mouth run off with a cell phone both ends. The old adage goes. And we will do an extensive study about familiar spirits and make you more aware of that. So the devil and his cohorts, they can see you. And when they see anyone that's a Christian that has not got joy, they know you've got no strength. Now, how does the devil know that? Because the devil understands him and the powers of darkness. They understand the Scripture. They know it. I said for years, I, one time I had a man, I mean, give me a talking for, I'll bet you, 15 minutes one night after service that when I made the statement, the devil knows more Scripture than most Christians will ever know. And all that upset this guy. I mean, gravely upset him. And I said, well, now, wait a minute. Now, did he not quote Scripture to Christ? And he did. You can go back and check it all out. And when he was there, when he after that 40 days and 40 nights that Christ fasted, I mean, he quoted Scripture word for word right down the line. And the thing of it is, if he knows Scripture and he doesn't, why wouldn't he, by the way, know Scripture? He was, if you will, God's right-hand man at that time. He was the most beautiful cherubim that the Lord God ever created. He could walk up and down in the, in the, in the, in the, in the heavenly kingdom itself. So he sees and that there's no joy. Anytime that he looks or the powers of darkness look and there's no joy, you know what he's saying? Come on, boys, we're about to have a picnic with this one. Because there's no joy, there's no strength. And there, I'm going to tell you, you ever heard the old adage, kick me while you're down, why don't you? I got news for you. When the old devil uh, finds out that you got no joy, that's just the game he's playing. Because he knows if there's no strength, he knows that you're not going to be able to do anything. See, now that goes back to this same thing. When people are joyous, people are fasting and praying and reading the Bible and meditating the Word of God. All right? When people are joyous. When people aren't joyous, they're not fasting, they're not praying, they're not reading the Word of God. And if they are and meditating the Word, it's very little. So what has happened? You've given place. And, and, through, and, and so you can see where there's no joy, there's no strength. Where there's no joy, there's no study. There's no fasting. There's no, there's no prayer. And that's all constitutes within itself your walk with Jesus Christ and the strength thereof with added to the infillment of the Holy Ghost and, of course, the authority in the name of Jesus Christ through that power. Now, I think we're going to go, yeah, we're going to go to Isaiah, the 12th chapter. Isaiah 12. Now, some people believe that it doesn't mean a whole lot. It just doesn't mean a whole lot for these for this fruit to work. I hope by now uh, that we have looked at, and most all of us were in the line to be grafted back in, that we can understand that there must be something to this thing called fruit. And I guarantee you that there's very much to it. 12.3. Therefore, now this is Isaiah 12:3. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. 
Now with joy we shall draw water from the wells of salvation. Uh, boy, that, that, that's, that's quite a statement. With joy, now listen again, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Again, if there's no, if there isn't any joy, you're not doing a whole lot of drawing water to have anything much to do about salvation period, have you? They're given out and to other people. Now in John 15:11, let's turn there. John 15:11, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. Now 15:11 of John. Now I want to show you something about this not being the physical joy. Now listen to what he says. These things have I spoken unto you. Now this is 15:11 of John that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He said, my joy needs to remain in you. What was his joy? <laughs> Being the Son of God and him going and him hanging on that tree for you and I and going through what he went through and still having joy, he said, now listen to that. Now, after thinking about that, he's saying, he's saying these things I spoke to you that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. My joy I give you that your joy may be full. He gave us his joy that ours could be full. So there's no reason for your joy and my joy not to be full. And in fact, if the joy is going to be full, then I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of other things that are going to happen. Now, in John 16:22, it says, And ye now, therefore, have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Now that's quite a statement. Look in 24. Hereunto have ye asked nothing in my name, ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. See, he, he wants that joy to be right there in our lives at all times. There's a lot of people today think that they're having to try to bargain with God to get something from God. They're trying to bargain with Him. They're trying to get God, They're trying to, they're, they're, or they're trying to work a deal with God, bargaining, dealing with God, you know. And what, what people don't understand, God wants you. He wants you happy. He wants you prosperous. He wants you healthy. He wants you in those ways. And it's His good pleasure to give unto His children. And somehow or other, a lot of us in the church are trying to, you know, bargain with God. Well, let's see, if I pray three times this week, and if I fast once this week, and if I you meditate the Word here next next week, then I'll tell you what, that ought to be good enough to the Lord God give me a little joy. No, then you're trying to get into something that's called legalism. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself sadly distraught over all of it. Because legalism isn't what causes this to work. This works because the Lord God loved you and I first. He loved us first. He loved us so much, so much, that He gave His only begotten Son. And here this only begotten Son is coming back and saying unto us, unto us, He says, whereunto, 24 again, have you asked nothing of my name? Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. He wants our joy full. And you need to underline the word full there, all right? Some of us got joy that's a little less than full. 
some of us got some joy that bless God needs to be done something with. Uh, uh, just don't sit there and, and smell like it's stagnated or something. Now, Luke 15. Luke 15, 7. I always have, he always reminds me, uh, quite often, in fact, of Jesus saying under the, one of the churches there in the first part of Revelation, return unto your first love. Remember, remember the first love that you had for me. I think the same thing is with, uh, with Christians. If Christians aren't careful, what they become is a stumbling block to the rest of the church if they're not careful. That thing of being filled and refilled and filled and refilled and, or I should, Keep saying filled once and refilled many, many, many times of the Holy Spirit is real. There has to be a constant. And if we're not going to do that, and that joy is the same thing, joy, and that, there again, that's a reason that this is a fruit, and that's a reason again that it's just not automatic in your life. It's something you got to work at. Yeah, I, I, folks, I've known Christians that, bless God, had everything under the sun besides joy. And I mean that. I mean, they had everything but joy. And I'm going to tell you, without joy, you would think they didn't have anything. Because that's how important it is. Now, Luke 15, if you found that, the seventh verse, it says this. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven, but be made in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than, oh boy, this is great, over 99 just persons which need no repentance. And that's every time somebody's saved, that's what I would like to think I can hear. I, I can't, but I like to believe that I can hear heaven rejoicing. The joy coming from heaven because of a sinner that has repented and received Jesus Christ into their hearts. That's what this is all about. See, I think, I think that when we lose the fundamental the fundamental direction of the church, I believe we're in trouble. I believe that the main thing in church is people being saved. That's the reason that you that, that I think that you're beginning to, to learn, because most of you are coming with us on Sunday nights over to Fairfield, that you're beginning to understand. There's not many Sunday nights that go by. I know that no one got saved this Sunday. It's a Sunday before somebody got saved. Sunday before that, two people got saved. Maybe if I got that backwards, I'm not sure. But that's what this thing, to me, that's what this thing's all about, is people receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you will, icing on the cake. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit, icing on the cake. The fruit of the Spirit, icing on the cake. That what we, if we're not careful what we do, and that's the reason that these weeknight things are so very important, and, and I, you know, and I know, I know that I could come in here and preach my heart out every, uh, Wednesday night and we could, we could grow a bigger crowd. But I'm convinced that it's not the preaching that we need. I'm convinced it's the teaching that we lack. I'm convinced that it's the depth of understanding this word that's, ho that's holding us back. Yeah, as I keep saying, you can't live very long off of Holy Ghost goosebumps. You stop and think about that. You can't, you can't live very long off of them. Now, you can go to service and there's nothing wrong with coming out of service and feeling great. That's what you should do. But the same people on Sunday night 
to get out and dance the aisles and carry on and praise God. If there's no word in here, by about Wednesday or whatever, Tuesday or Thursday, usually that person is back to being and feeling about the way they felt, and sometimes it don't take that long uh, before they got out in the aisles and danced and the Holy Ghost goosebumps running up down the spine. The reason I keep saying you can't live off of that, you've got to live off the Word of God. So uh, here, we're, here we're being told that in that seventh verse. Now, in the tenth verse, it says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. goes right along with it. That's a, So joy is important in heaven. Okay? There's great rejoicing. There's great rejoicing. There's great rejoicing. Now, uh, in 1 Peter, let's go to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, let's see, this is where I glued my Bible together the other night. It, <laughs> it lacks a little something here and there, but I've done worse on my glue job. I'm probably, they're probably wanting me to go to work for this firm that binds books or something. 1 Peter 1.8, it says, Whom have ye not seen ye love? And whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, we've often called that the baptism of joy. We've often called that. Now, it's okay, I guess, to call it that. I'm not the one that coined that by no, by no means. But, but look at that again. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. Now, unspeakable joy, I'm, I'm going to tell you, is that river that's on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, rolling up and bubbling up out of your belly to where you just can't even contain it. Now, again, the joy that we had, and remember back when you first got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, I, I'm always saying this, and I, I, I say it jokingly at the same time, I say it with some truth. Some of us, they should have locked up when we got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost because we had so much joy and the Holy Spirit was flowing up out of our bellies and bubbling over so much that we were kind of huh, causing some problems in the kingdom. But there again, we were just that joyous. Now, what happened to a lot of that joy in a lot of the people that we know? I look back today, I, I, I've known scores of people that were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and was baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. Today you run into them, and like I said, they look like, they, they look like they've been sucking on lemons. How you doing? Well, have you, well, what? Well, I've been sick. Why didn't you call for prayer? Well, um, you can't do anything for people like that. Why? Because number one, that's their will that's working, obviously, and they sort of like the way it works. But that's not what I like. As I keep saying, if, if you will get up every day and get yourself charged up before you go out of the house or as you're going to work, you'll be a more pleasant person on the work site. When you come home at night after working eight hours, ten hours, whatever some of you are working, if you'll pray before you get into that driveway, you'll go into that house with joy in your heart. Now, don't, don't, let's don't play one of these naive games that all Christians come in looking like Freddie Flintstone every night. And, oh, how, and how are you doing? 
because we all know better than that, right? What's for supper? Thanks God we had that last week. It, it, we went through a period of time in our marriage where it didn't make any difference to fix. That wasn't what I wanted. And it didn't, never one time did I stop and, and, and realize how much time she spent getting that on the table and thought enough of me, our marriage, our family, that it was there every night, on time, every time. Didn't think about that. But you see, I didn't think about that because there wasn't any fruit in my life. It was none. The only thing I was interested in was me, myself, and I. That got quiet, didn't it? It's called a selfish spirit. It's called a, a, a spirit of self. And nothing makes any difference besides self. You don't care who it is. That, uh, you, you know, you have a few words with somebody. Just as long as you said something that cut them last, that's all that counts. As long as you got your way. As long as it worked out the way you wanted. That's all that counts. See, that's not what this gospel is all about. And I'm not going to tell you that you learn that the day that you receive Jesus Christ. That may not be a mountain in your life. It was a mountain in my life. And there's still times that I fight that mountain. There's still times that I want for me, not near like it was by no means, and not nearly as often as it was by no means. There's still times that it crops up. What is it? Well, it's the lack of the fact. And see, I found this out. I found this out. I began to seek the face of God. And God began to begin to deal with me about what I'm trying to teach you here tonight. He said, if you will start praying, and when you make that turn, there's a mile gravel road between my home and the blacktop. He said, if you'll start praying before you get to the house, going up that gravel road, he said, the time you get there, you will be filled up and running over. I didn't go in the house and, and jump up and down and dance around the table or anything because I was at work eight hours. But I did go in the house and maintain. And I found out as long as I did that, I would go in the house and maintain. And every time I didn't do that, I'd go in the house and, oh, I don't think that's what I want. So I began to find something out. I began to start doing the same thing that I keep saying to you. I began to look into that reflective mirror, and I began to see me looked at me. Okay? I began to look at me she was looking at me instead of the way I selfishly was looking at the fact that uh, and not looking at the fact that she may have spent an hour and a half, may have spent two hours preparing that meal. And I walk in and say, well, I don't care for that tonight. I guess I'll go to town. When I began to do that, everything changed. Everything changed. Because I began to understand something that I'd never understood before. When it push comes to shove, when it all comes down to the bottom line, what difference does it make whether I do or I don't like that, whether I live tomorrow or I don't live tomorrow as far as that goes? What difference does it really make? The earth is still going to rotate. The sun's still going to come up in the east, go down the west. Our place is not to be separated from. Our place is to be part of. And I believe that that's probably one of the biggest culprits uh, one of the bigger culprits, anyway, that we got in the church today is the fact that we didn't come in and begin to set and learn. What we begin to do is we begin to pick and choose the parts of this gospel that we were going to try to live, and the parts that we wanted to live was raising the dead and walking on the water, working all these gifts. And I'm here to tell you still, you ain't going to work these gifts, if these, if this fruit to some degree is not working in your life. 
No fruit, no gift. No gifts, no gifts. Well, that's sometimes that's hard to grab onto and to understand. But uh, let's see. I, I was I, I, we went to first the eighth verse uh, of First Peter, the first chapter, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. That's big time anointing. It's big time doing. And you can always tell uh, on Sunday nights when that unspeakable, huh? When that unspeakable joy and full of glory falls, you can see it every time. You can see it every time. And you don't want to know something? You can see it when it's not there. Because when it's not there, it's one of those services where we got this one that came in that wasn't happy with that one over there, and this one over here wasn't happy with that one down there, and that one back there wasn't happy with anything at home or at church. And before you know it, if you're not careful, 15, 20 people in a crowd that size can run a meeting if you don't know what you're doing. Now, after the years, I found out that I could bind some of you sweet sisters and brothers up where you couldn't even squeak in the spirit before I ever walked to the platform. And I've done it for years. Because I made my mind up, and until I understood the anointing, I got beat on a lot of times in the spirit. And I missed some good meetings because I didn't understand it. But I found something out. I'm not about to let... 15, 20, 1, 2, or, 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 or 5 people keep the rest of the people from receiving something. Just because you can't come in and have joy. Have any of you ever been in service to me and I said that if you couldn't come in and, and couldn't come in and be up, just stay out in the parking lot? Have any of you ever heard the prophet ever just, some of you haven't. And oh, I get them grand looks like, that's not the love of God there, preacher. Well, it's just about as much love of God as me being in church service and getting ready to pray for somebody that needs a miracle. And God said, too much doubt and unbelief, run them out. I run them all out of the room. Now, you tell me how, here I'm a visiting minister, and I'm telling the pastor and the elders to leave. And they're trying to figure out who's in charge there. And so am I. And, and I've told them, I said, well, do you want this brother or sister to receive this merch? Yeah, I said, well, God said there's too much doubt and unbelief to clear the room. Well, I think I'll be saying, I said, that's not what God said. Clear the room. Clear the church. Oh, they go down to the coffee shop and talk about me against the walls. You wouldn't believe it. They're God in heaven. And then the phone goes ring off the pastor's hook. They don't want me back the next night. Anybody have the audacity to run them out of that? Then they come in and there's that one got the miracle. There's that one with the miracle. Well, you see, Joy's got a whole lot to do with people having doubt and unbelief, too. A lot more so than you realize. When you've got joy, you're more susceptible to receiving faith. When you don't have joy, who cares? Well, I'll pray before I go. Well, bless God, I don't think I'll pray. I tried that. It didn't work. And it goes on and on and on. Well, fortunately for you and I, just because of one sourpuss, it doesn't destroy uh, all of us. We have a choice. Now, it comes to us, meaning joy, when we are prayed up and filled up with the Spirit. And, you know, we often look at and call that an artesian well. I know when I first came into the, into the uh, fullness of the Spirit, I, 
uh, went to some meetings and they got talking about this artesian well that was flowing up, up out of us, meaning the Holy Ghost. And, and it, uh, this artesian, and an artesian well just keeps pushing up. And most of us have, uh, what we have done with the, the, the that river, artesian well, with the Holy Spirit coming up and bubbling out of us, what a lot of us have done, cap that thing. And we put a cap on it. We don't want that thing bubbling up. You know, there's some people just cantankerous enough to go to church. They ain't going to be happy and want everybody there to know they're not happy. <laughs> Joy will bring revival in your life. But then we just a few weeks ago, or a couple of meetings ago, didn't we do a thing down there? Did I end up laying hands on people and baptizing and going? I'm sure that was right. You see, that's, that brings revival in your life. And that's what it's got to be. You know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of talk now, national ministries talking about great revival, great revival, great revival. Um, well, I'm going to tell you something. Until we can get that in our hearts, ourselves, we're not going to have to worry about it. It's going to have to start in here. This is where revival starts. Revival starts with people that are seeking the face of God, not on a part-time base, full-time base. And what we, what we, what happens to us is the fact that we don't see any instant results to our prayer, our fasting, our, our, our meditation, our reading meditation of the Word of God. So what we most generally do is we start we come up to a peak with it, and then we just start tailing things out very, very slowly. And before we know it, we're right back there on the front row with that sourpuss look on our face. Said, "Well, I tried, and it didn't work." Well, you see, the problem with the gospel of Jesus Christ—it isn't to try to see if it does work, folks. It's been proven that it works. When God said, "Let there be light," it worked. That was, if there was any proof to be had, that was it way back then. Now, let's go to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. I'm not, uh, I'm not a bit backward about believing that, uh, of course, now, you, you gotta realize something, too. There's some people that, that puts on a false front when it comes to, uh, comes to joy. You know, I think we discussed that a week or so ago, you know. Uh, I think that we used last week we talked about love. Well, it's one thing. It's one thing to love uh, uh, by word, and it's another thing to love by uh, showing, see, in your and from your heart. And we got too much the same thing with this thing with joy. We people come in and act joyous, and then they go home and act like bullfrogs the rest of the week, you know. And uh, dear God in heaven, you know, let's get the thing right. Things will be so much better. I'll tell you what, things will be so much better in your home with this fruit and you attempting to work this fruit that you'll probably want to uh, come and, and lay presents at my feet when it all works. Not really. Because it's going to take a while for it to work, okay? In fact, it's going to take quite a while for it to work. But again, our, our place here is to get you started and, and, and show you that in a year's time, I would challenge you with this. If you work on this, for a year. That's the reason, again, growth is slow. It's not just get the Holy Ghost and go 120 mile an hour down the road and uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, in a year's time, you will be astounded if you truly and earnestly begin to plant and cultivate this, 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 this fruit that we're talking about here. 
Now, in Psalms 23, which is something I think most of us have read many times, the fifth verse says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Actually, I put the word and in there. My cup runneth over. Now, God gives us uh, this wonderful overflowing, if you will. This is an overflowing. This is that artesian well coming up and just bubbling out, bubbling out, bubbling out, bubbling out, bubbling out, bubbling out, bubbling out. And again, folks, when it's not, what we have got to begin to do is begin to, to you should always, you should always go back, I, you should go back every week and you should look at the things of which you have tried to accomplish in the Word of God and then the things that you haven't got accomplished, all right? Uh, now, because if in fact your cup isn't running over, if it's not, that doesn't mean that you've lost. It doesn't mean that you've missed it. What that means is that that should be a flashing yellow or caution light to you saying, go back and get the old cup running over, Deckard. You need the cup running over. Get the cup running over. Well, when that happens, then what I do is I go back and I begin, I begin to, to examine what has happened to my joy during that week. There has to be a self-examination. And the, but again, it's a, a colossal problem in the church. We never examine ourselves. We're not, we're not even interested in examining ourselves. What we're usually interested in is examining our wives, Husbands, preachers, the elders, the church, the neighbors, the job, the school, the government. And it goes on and on and on and on. Self-examination is the only way you're going to grow up in the Word of God. Because you're not going to do it right the first time. And, and that's something I've never really been able to teach enough depth into to get people to understand. You're not going to get it right the first time altogether. And even if you did get it all right the first time, by the time you move over away from this fruit joy into the next fruit, you'll be working along, and the next thing that's going to happen to you, you're going to be the most unjoyous and most unlovely person that some people in the church know. Why? Because any time that you try to make some inroads into the Word of God, the devil is going to come. Why is he going to do that? Well, let's... let's uh, uh, am I done there? I'm done there. Let, let, let's go over here to the fourth chapter of Mark. And let me show you something. Now, when you start this, <laughs> you know, some of you may want to come and have prayer. Uh, you know, some of your husbands or wives may bring you for prayer. Because this is what's going to happen to you. Because what you're saying is, if in fact, preacher, you're right, and in this case I am, I'm going to develop this fruit in my life. By developing this fruit in my life and it remaining in my life, then the Lord God, by His Word, will have to honor that and my prayers will be answered. And you're right. That's exactly right. As long as you're praying within the will of God. Okay? So what you have to understand is the devil is hearing you do that. The devil saw every one of you that came up front here a couple weeks ago. He heard the, the, the proclamation that you made unto the Lord God. Now, 
We're teaching you the Word of God. Now, if you found Mark 4, look with me, if you will, into... There it is, 17th verse. Have my finger on. Now, this is the Word being sown is what this is. The sower soweth the Word, we're told in the 14th verse. Now, it goes on down this, and this is the conclusion of the 16th verse. says, and have no root of himself, and so endure, but for a time. Afterward, now here's the part that you need to understand. When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, I'm not too interested in immediately you are offended or they are offended, as I'm interested in the fact that when affliction and persecution ariseth for the word's sake. Persecution and affliction is going to arise for the word's sake. You decide you want joy in your life, the devil's going to try to make sure that you are the biggest sourpuss next week in church to your family, to your job that you've ever been. I'm not going to let him do that. That's what you've got to say. See, again, these things are not automatics, and, I, and I'm sorry that they're not. I mean, I, you know, for years we've gone through this thing, and everything seems to be, there. everything's automatic. You know, I, I automatically got the fruit because I'm a Christian. Well, if he did, we'd have been a lot further along in the church. All of us would be. So what I want you to understand is, and one of my favorite sayings is, the devil's not going to belly up because you decided that you're going to have this fruit and you're going to you're going to make let this fruit be planted in you and you're going to cultivate it, take care of it, and grow it, watch over it, and it's going to mature. It's going to remain. When you're doing that, you know what you're saying to the devil? It's war. Me and you are going to lock up, big boy, and I'm going to win. And that's what you're saying to him. See, that's the reason you heard me again Sunday night say, be sure you know what you're getting up these lines for. Be sure you understand, you know, because some people get themselves in a real bind just because that sounds good and I'll take a shot of that, preacher. You know, and there you are. Be sure that you understand what's going on. I, 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 if you get this into your spirit, get it there. There ain't no freebies. The God that we serve is not handing out no apple pie. What God is doing is He's given you the opportunity. If, in fact, now the Bible says the kingdom is taken, and it's taken by what? By force. If you're going to force your way into this thing, it'll work. If you're going to sit around and look up in the sky and whistle a Dixie or whatever it is that you want to whistle, you're kidding yourself. And we've got too many Dixie whistlers in the church across the face of this earth. Too many. Too many. Now, where was I at? Oh, moving right along now. The meaning of joy, all right? Joy is a condition. The state of the soul due to being right with God, joy is not happiness. And don't ever misunderstand that. And if you can get a hold of that, you've got some revelation tonight. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. It's a, it is a condition. The state of the soul doing being right with God. So if you know you're right with God, come on, joy's there. That's enough, to, that's enough for you to have joy. That's enough for you to express joy. It's just flat knowing that you're rightly related to God. Through what? Through Christ Jesus? Yes. Exactly that. Romans 14, 17. I'm going to have to get a lot of Scripture in here, so... Bear with me. Let your fingers do the walking here. Romans 14. 
17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, it's but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, those belonging to Christ have joy. The unbeliever does not. Now, let me, let me tell you something about that. I, I watched something. I need to tell this story. You remember, if you were in church service with me Sunday night, I said there were two people there that had demons that need to be delivered. Anybody remember that with me? And I, I started, and, and they got up in the line, and I went by, and God said, you tell them to come to the back room after service. And so I did, and they did. One of these was a young, a young fellow about 19 years old. And he had dabbled seriously into some witchcraft. God delivered him, filled him with the Holy Ghost. His two friends were there, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. They had been saved in some of the previous meetings that we'd had. Now, before this young man got delivered of that demon, he had a look on his face. After he got delivered of that demon, he had a different countenance upon his face. After they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they were all sitting there, see the joy of the Lord is set upon them. You can see it. You can absolutely see it. And see, this, this is very disturbing to me. I'm around people that have been saved, going to church all their lives, and there you can no more see that, that in their countenance than a man in the moon. Something's wrong somewhere. And what's happened, we've let the stinking devil feel our joy. Your joy should be there because of Christ Jesus in you. That's all that, that that's not happiness. And what we do, we mistake joy for happiness. If we're not happy, we got no joy. Honey, you got the joy when you got Jesus. So you might as well understand how to activate it and keep it going, all right? Now, in uh, John 15, 11, 15, 11, These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might, might be full. I got a deal here. I should have given it with that. The hearts of God's people should be filled with joy at all times. And let me tell you why. Because you are, and I heard him. Somebody, I don't know who coined this phrase, but I've, I've used it, and I'm going to probably always use it because I think it really is meaningful. If you don't have joy, and people know you're a Christian, you're a real bad example for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. So your opportunity is for them to see that joy bubbling up out of them. See, that's the way they can, they know, folks, they know. When they're around somebody that's got it, they know they got it, and it makes about half of them mad because you got it. Then, why are you so happy about all the time? I said, oh, that's not happy, that's joy. Joy, 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 joy. Well, it goes on and on, doesn't it? Now, Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah, sounds like we're going to get serious now, doesn't it? Get back to that old prophet Jeremiah, things are going to happen. Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15, the 16th verse. It says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Now, even the prophets of the Old Testament, it's, we're talking here about Jeremiah and what he said. They spoke of the joy of the word of the, uh, the joy of the word of God. They spoke of it. 
And it's so important for you and I to realize and grasp a hold of that that's what it was all about. It was joy unto them to have the word of the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people today find no joy in the word of the Lord. And I guess I could understand in some cases why, but not in all. Let's go to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. The 11th verse. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence, the fullness of joy at thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Now, David realized that in the presence of the Lord there is joy. Okay? Now, let's look at this at just a little bit different angle now. If, in fact, there is, if, in fact, that there is joy in the presence of the Lord, then it could be that we could say that some of us need to spend more time in the presence of the Lord. Okay? So that goes back to what the Lord spoke to me and said, if you'll pray going up this gravel road, by the time you get up it and get home, see, what, what was really being done there, only he didn't come out and say this, but this is what he was saying, that in the presence of the Lord there is joy. In the presence of the Lord there's joy. And if you can't get in the presence of the Lord, well, it'd be easy enough to say that there isn't any joy then that, that would overcome you. Acts 13. Acts 13. I think we're going to have to probably finish up joy. No, we won't. I'll get it in. 1352. 1352. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Fill with joy and the Holy Ghost. Fill with joy and the Holy Ghost. Okay? Second Corinthians 2, 3. Like I said, you're just going to get a lot of scripture. Just keep a, keep letting your fingers do the walk in there. Second Corinthians 2, 3. And I wrote this same unto you, least when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. Now, <laughs> you might say that don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, the joy that Paul had, seeing the way that they were and what they did, was a joy within him that brought that joy up. And the same thing back and forth. In other words, joy is contagious. Or to do one of the two things. You'll be mad at that one that's joyous. Okay, and you can do that. I mean, I mean, you know, there's some people that, bless God, when they're not happy, they can't stand anybody else that is. Come on, some of you know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> now, let's talk about three manifestations of joy. By surrendering, uh, uh, surrendering, surrendering yourself wholly to God will bring joy. By recognizing our completeness in Christ, if you want the scripture for that one, it's First John 1, 4. And by giving praise to God. Those three things will manifest joy. As I said, we, we don't spend probably near enough time just praising, uh, praising God. Uh, I, I, it's a wonderful opportunity when you're going down the road. Uh, if, in fact, you're out on the road driving a lot, it's a perfect opportunity just to praise God. Uh, you pray and do whatever, but it's a perfect place just to praise God. Because, again, the quickest way to get God's attention is praising. He inhabits the praises of these people. 
And so if you'll do that, 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 that may pick things up and, and pick things up real well for you. Isaiah 49, 13, 49, 49, 13, to sing, O heavens, and, the joy, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon the, his afflicted. Now, the heavens will give answer if we fail, if we fail the earth, and the earth will be poor. If we fail the earth, in the earth to, to praise God, and the earth will be poor for our witness. And it'll work that way every time. You know, there's some, there's a place in the Bible that says that if in fact that we will, if we won't praise God, that, that He'll have the rocks to cry out. See? So, so there again, to be joyful is a glorious privilege. Only given unto the children of God. Now, you want to know how I can prove that? You can go out here on Saturday night in these honky tonks and see all these people happy. Come Sunday morning, about 8 o'clock or 9, you go wake them up. You're talking about their joy remaining. Honey, there wasn't no joy to remain. Hmm? What joy does, joy uh, fortifies the mind with truth and the will with grace. You can find that in Nehemiah 8.10, which we're not going to do. I'm not going to go to that. In Psalm 16:9, joy satisfies the soul with fellowship and the heart with love. Now, in Romans 14, and we're going to go to that one, 14, 17, Romans 14, 17, there is a piece of Scripture here. It says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, now we read this before, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, with the Holy Ghost, there is an incoming and an indwelling upon conversion. Okay? There is an incoming and an indwelling upon conversion. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Those things come in. Joy is one of those things that comes in. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. can only be done and handled through that. Okay? One more piece of Scripture. Psalms 51. Psalms 51. And the 12th verse. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And of course, what we want you to to get a hold of is to restore me in the joy of thy salvation. 